Hi, I'm Kalen from The Stranger, and you're listening to The Progcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Procast. And with me calling all the way from Australia is Kalen from the band The Stranger. How's it going, Kalen? Doing really well, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, you guys just um, released your second album called Kaleidoscope. And um, mm -hmm. I think not a lot of people outside of Australia probably know about you yet. So maybe you can introduce mm. your band quickly and, and tell us where you're coming from. Um, what's the story so far? Yeah, no worries at all. Well, so yeah, as I said, we're called The Stranger. Um, we, I guess we identify kind of broadly as progressive metal. Um, one of the things I've always really loved about the progressive um, sort of umbrella is that It's kind of a term that gives you the freedom to write whatever kind of music you want. And that's kind of been our ethos from the beginning. So we sort of, um, we, uh, so myself and Daniel, who's the drummer, we used to play together years ago in a band called Alpine Fault. And we did really well, we released an album and toured around a bunch and stuff, but that band fell apart. And, uh, and it sort of fell apart around 2013-ish. And that was right when the the kind of the prog scene, um, like a, a lot of bands like Periphery and Tesseract and Animals as Leaders and all these kinds of bands were sort of having their their, their first big kind of upsurge. And uh, myself and Daniel, the drummer, like we were really, really into that stuff. Um, so when Alpine Fault fell apart, it like it was sad, but at the same time, it was kind of a bit of a blessing, a blessing because it gave us a real opportunity to start writing the music that we really wanted to write. Um, And so, yeah, we, we form the band with the, the basic ethos of anything goes as long as it's good. And uh, that, uh, that has, like I said, it's given us the, the freedom to do whatever we want. So um, we got our first album out in 2017. That was a, uh, that was a, a huge effort, but it was, um, it was really satisfying because I'd been involved in a bunch of musical projects before, but this is the first time I'd released something that was truly sort of my baby. <laughs> um, and it was really, really satisfying. So that was a great album. We actually got it. Um, I, I produced it, but we got it mixed uh, by uh, David Castillo in, um, in Sweden. So he works at Fascination Street and we got it mastered by Jens Borgren. So we had like, you know, uh, I, I, at, the, at that time, I wasn't confident enough with my own skills, producing our own stuff. So I was like, send it off to Sweden. They know what they're doing. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that was really cool. And we had a really great response to that. And, um, uh, you know, we, we toured off the back of that a little bit as well and sort of grew our audience, like all, all here in Australia. You know, like uh, for any band, especially it seems in Australia, you generally have to release two, three, four albums before you really break the international market. It, like, is a, it's a pretty big uphill battle. Um, I hope that's changing because there are so many great bands coming out of Australia, you know, bands like Caligula's Horse and um, Voyager and all these really cool bands. Um, and uh, I, I feel like the rest of the world's kind of going like, ooh, what's, what's happening over there in Australia, you know? So, um, but yeah, yeah so absolutely. Uh, I, I, we've had a couple of... 
Yeah, maybe maybe we, maybe we can talk about the the scene in 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 Australia later. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let, let's stick with the stranger for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, yeah, we released that first album. It, um, I was really proud of it. It went really well. We had. Um, you know, not a huge response, but a very good response. Like everyone that heard it really liked it. So that was really, uh, it was really great. Um, uh, yeah, toured off that for a little bit. And then we ended up having a couple of lineup changes. Uh, the other guitarist and bassist uh, sort of wanted to go and do their own things. The bass player had a family and all that stuff and he couldn't, you know, couldn't do it anymore. And the other guitarist, he was sort of, he decided that he wanted to go, like, he was really into fusion, a lot of kind of Steve mm. Vai, Guthrie Govan kind of stuff. <laughs> Amazing guitarist. And we're still really great friends, but he just wasn't into like the, the metal thing anymore. So he decided to go off and do that. And Fair then, um, so to replace those guys, we got um, Drew on guitar, who is such a great fit, not only personality wise, but musically, he's just an awesome guy. And um, uh, Link on bass, who is just, he's like, in some ways the anti-bass player because he practices his ass off he's really dedicated he do, he's picked up he does like all our social media and business stuff now so he's just like he's super dedicated it's great i love having both these guys in the band and so i really feel like with those guys joining we kind of completed the lineup and we're a really so- solid unit now and that meant that we could sort of get our teeth sunk into getting this new album done it took us way longer than we wanted to, um, various reasons, but probably not none worth going into. But uh, in the end, uh, we, we've we've got these nine songs on this new album, and I honestly couldn't be more proud of sort of what we've achieved with this. So yeah, that's just come out, and hopefully people really like it. So yeah, that's where we're up to so far. Yeah, the I think the first uh, single was also the opening track. Um, help me out with the name quickly. 11th hour 11th hour of course and it's not the album by novena <laughs> uh, no 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 <laughs> yeah i think there's a it's like it's like the you know every band's got a song called requiem or whatever there's going to be a bunch of bands with a song called 11th hour so yeah what are you going to do um yeah that i think that was my introduction to the band i knew uh, uh, i knew of you i have heard the name i think i even followed you when I saw that you were supporting Caligula's Horse like a couple of years ago, um, but I never really mm-hmm. checked you guys out. And then, yeah, this uh, 11th Hour song came came along and uh, you did a great video with uh, Adrian from Caligula's Horse for it, right? And uh, I actually put it into my playlist for when I... for for going on a run, you know, I have like oh, really? <laughs> play, playlist with, with like some current songs that, that, uh, make, make good running music. So that was on I it. <laughs> um, so when, um, tell us a little bit about the, the, um, the process of, uh, kaleidoscope how it came together in terms of writing and and producing it um are yeah. you more like a jam band or do you like do you have like some composers in the band and then you arrange it with the whole band or how does it go for the stranger sure sure um we are honestly as far from you can get as a jam band <laughs> i would like for us to be able to do that um uh, it, it just really hasn't worked out that way thus far. So um, 
generally the way it works is, up until this point um with a couple of exceptions i've written most of the music um so my my main job is i'm a music producer so i record bands out of my house so i've got a full studio set up and all that kind of thing um and i think for that reason um i'm able to get my musical ideas from my head into the computer much much faster than anyone else in the band and so that that sort of that ease of process there sort of means that I can have a, a naturally higher output than a lot of the other guys. Um, but uh, yeah, so generally the way it works is I'll just be either noodling around on my guitar and something cool will come out and be like, "Ooh, what was that? Shit!" And I'll follow it, you know. And then like, because you have these um, uh, you have these kind of modes that you fall into with inspiration where. Uh, like suddenly your brain's just firing and, and you've just got one great idea coming up after the next and everything. And you just have to sort of follow those themes for as long as you can. And then all of a sudden you'll write a riff and it'll sound like shit. And you're like, Oh, okay. I've got to stop because like if, <laughs> at, at, at that point, if you keep trying to write, whatever you come up with will be garbage. So, you know, this generally, you know, lasts like three, four, five hours sometimes. Um, the other, the other way that I write generally, which is really annoying is if I'm really upset about something. So if like something major has happened in my life and I'm just an absolute fucking mess, like generally that's when a whole song will drop in my head, you know, like <laughs> I, I wish it didn't work that way, but it seems to, you know, like there's, we got two songs um, on the first album. There's a song called Song for Dad. And on the new album, there's a song called Jester. Both of those I wrote, I, I wrote when I was just absolutely distraught. But like the great thing about both of those songs is like the whole song just dropped into my head in one go. And I was able to sort of get the whole thing out in a matter of hours. So that's really satisfying. Now, the the production side of things, um, like I said, with the first album, um, I, I did a lot of the engineering with a guy called Adam Merker, who's also another Brisbane producer who's worked with some really big bands, including like a version's crown and that sort of stuff. He's a, he's a bit of a mentor of mine. And um, he helped me out with the engineering. We record a lot of stuff at his studio and then we sent it off to Sweden, like I said. But um, with this new one, uh, a few years have passed and I've worked with like a, a ton of bands since then. And uh, I've really sort of worked really hard on my production skills. So I thought, screw it. I'm going to actually just dive in and, and do this one myself. So um, for the drums, we recorded them at a really lovely studio down the coast, which is unfortunately now closed, but it's the same studio that Caligula's Horse recorded their last few, um, last few albums and also Sky Harbor's latest album. They recorded it there, that sort of thing. So a really lovely studio. Um, amazing because it's this big like million dollar room with all the best microphones and treatment and all that sort of stuff and the guy hired it out for like next to nothing it was like 350 a day australian which is so cheap so yeah we were <laughs> we we took we took as much uh time there as we possibly could and he's great too because it wasn't like 350 but it's like eight hours and you got to be out he's like no nah, rock up as early as you want leave as late as you want it's all good so it's just like yes <laughs> so we got all the um we got all the drums done in about five days and then everything else we just did at my house in my studio um so direct with all the guitars and bass and, and everything and i've got a vocal booth there so um that sort of gave us the freedom to really take as much time as we wanted to get the takes right and, and all that sort of stuff so it was um it was like any one of these massive projects you go through like it was a huge learning curve for me i learned so much in the process even though i'd done full albums for a bunch of bands at this point doing your own stuff is still like you get right into the nitty gritty. And, you know, so it's, it was a, it was, it was great. Like it was still an exceedingly stressful time. So we recorded the drums in January last year and then um, COVID hit right at the end of March. 
and um, we sort of hadn't started on everything else yet. And it's like at that same time, I was going through a huge breakup. Oh, um, and yeah, it was just a bad time. So breakup, COVID, and then um, all the bands that I was working with had to pull out of my studio because no one was allowed to because of COVID. Yeah. And so the only thing I could do to make money was drive Uber. And so I was driving Uber like 12 hours a day, making like 150 bucks. And then I'd come home and I'd track guitars for six hours and then get like six hours sleep and just like repeat for months. And it was brutal. Wow. It was like just an incredibly <laughs> stressful time. So, um, yeah, but you know, <laughs> we got it there, we got it done. And, um, I was, the only thing I didn't do was the mastering. We sent that off to, um, Erman Hamidovic in Melbourne, um, who's mastered for periphery animals as leaders, plenty intervals, all those guys, like he's a m- absolute master of his craft. Um, and so I was very, I was very happy and reassured to have him be the final set of ears on the album. So it came together really well, but yeah, so it's, um, it's, it's a very involved process and usually involves a shit ton of work for me, but we got it done. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. This story uh, reminds me a bit. A couple of days ago, I saw um, uh, a Facebook uh, live interview from a, like a weekly interview series Metal Blade are doing uh, with Riley McShane from uh, Allegion interviewing other musicians and he had uh dobber and cammy from uh, oceans of slumber on which was super interesting and he was uh w- with dobber he was kind of um th- they were um talking about that um like that old mindset from from you know from these old school metal heads who think that um great metal music can only like you know come out of suffering and like the people who write <laughs> yeah. it have to suffer otherwise they the 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 music they're going to write is not going to be true good. otherwise yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i know all about that man you know like i've actually thought about that a lot and it's you know like okay if we're talking about like like black metal right like you your true frostbitten norwegian shit like <laughs> i kind of get it right because it's like that pain you need to get it in the music and it's all about that expression of agony right but for a lot of the stuff we do man <laughs> i don't want to suffer i just want to have fun and play guitar you know? i i just wanted to say i mean um i've listened to the album a couple of times now and it's uh mm-hmm. it's it's pretty catchy and there's the there's some some yeah uplifting and, and and fun stuff on it as well it's not all doom and gloom and and and, yeah. and aggression Thanks, even, even though even though you guys also have the occasional growl here and there um yeah. so your your vocalist uh tom is he is he doing both um yeah 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 he's tom's tom's really good like he um basically from the get-go he was um uh sort of very willing to explore both styles um the way we kind of approach the vocals um sorry quick shout out to tom because it's like um i'll i'll generally write a lot of the music but tom it, you know he he handles most of the lyrics uh with a couple of exceptions so he'll go away with some music that i've written and he'll come back and uh, with the broad strokes and then him and i'll sit down and, and refine that but when it comes to like the growling versus the singing it's generally like we we mostly do the melodic things but the way I describe it to people, especially people that don't listen to metal and, and aren't really familiar with the the sound, is it's like if you want if you want a style of music that or uh, if you want your vocals to be able to 
express the entire gamut of the human experience clean vocals are only going to take you 80% of the way there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes you need to take it into overdrive to really just like, you know, like punch someone in the guts or really emphasize a certain bit. And it's like, that's the way that we tend to think about um, harsh vocals. We don't just do them for the sake of doing it. It's like this bit needs to sound fucking heavy. So let's put some growls in there, that kind of thing. Right. Um, the only kind of exception to that is um, there's a song, on the new album called the devil you don't um which by the way shout out to drew the new guitarist he actually he that was all his music so like i'm so blown away by his ability to write he's a, he he beats himself up and he's like he doesn't think he's very good but he's he's great um but with that song the 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 chord the chord structures were so I don't want to say atonal, atonal, but they were very non-diatonic and that meant that we actually had a lot of trouble in certain bits writing a vocal melody that was really catchy and really moved you emotionally. So we actually just ended up moving to the growls there because it's like, well, the growls just work a lot better than whatever we could come up with melodically. So that's why that song is like half screaming vocals because we're like, shit, we just like, we just don't know what else to do here. <laughs> That's that, that's very very fun story. Uh, so uh, now that you uh, had the the experience of having him uh, also write something, you you, you think you you'll um, kind of share writing duties in the future now? Yeah, well, like that's more? that's sort of the goal. So um, yeah, it's like uh, one of my personal issues is that I I tend to be a bit of a control freak musically um like i know there's a lot of my own ego tied up in it and i just like i hate that about myself and so i've been working on sort of lowering my guard and being like no no like it's uh, you know the others have got to contribute too um uh, but the thing is it's like when someone brings in a piece of music like drew did with the devil you don't it's just like it's undeniable you know what i mean like i can have my ego in there as much as i want but the music's so good we're gonna fucking use it you know what i mean and um there's another song in the album creatures in the canopy uh our bass player link actually wrote a really substantial chunk of that so that was like that whole song started with his idea so um you know uh i am absolutely open to the other guys bringing in music it's just like it's it's got to be great You know, like it's got to meet a certain standard, but you know, they're so good at what they do that like, I know that the more that I get my own bullshit out of the equation, the more great music we're going to have and the more diverse, you know, it's going to be. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Great. So, um, Kaleidoscope is, uh, released through Octane Records and Wild Thing Records. Did you, did you do the, your self-titled debut album independently or, um, mm. or, or, yeah, yeah, it was, um, so, yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just curious about, uh, the, uh, it, how, how it feels, how it feels differently for, or for, for you guys, uh, now that you're like being picked up by a label yeah. and, and yeah yeah it's a it's it's really cool yeah so the first album was independent because it's like unless you're coming out of the gate really swinging with something incredible that no one's ever heard anything like a brand new band like that it's sort of hard to get picked up um so we put out that album because it's like like i had i was like i was having lunch with sam the guitarist from Killigilla's horse the other day and um the way he describes it is your first release is just you 
throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? So it's like you can't, you can't expect much out of that. I, I, will, um, I, will, I will be sure to use that uh, phrase in in the Caligula's horse shit posting group on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> right quote. on dead posting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's such a stupid group, man. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that was the first album. But um, the way that the, the signings happened, because... Um, uh essentially we joined in this um kind of competition it was like a battle the band style thing but it was for um the winner got to go and play at whack and open air and there was um there was two heats so there was the brisbane there was the city one and then there was going to be a final heat at melbourne the final heat still hasn't happened because of covid like it was just right around that time that yeah but we um we won the brisbane heat right yeah, so we were um, we were going to be going on to Melbourne, and then like you know, if all went well, we would have been playing at Wacken, but you know, <laughs> shit happens. So um, the only thing was that competition was strictly for unsigned bands, right? And we were unsigned at the time. And then, um, but the guy that was organizing the whole thing, <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy that was organizing the whole thing, uh, his name's Bailey. He's the owner of Octane Records. Um, he uh, basically, after watching us at the Brisbane show basically said, fuck it. I want to sign you guys, you know, let's make this happen. So we're like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then he, uh, he was also instrumental in helping us get, um, uh, working with wild thing as well, because like wild thing is sort of like the progressive label in Australia. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like there aren't that many labels here, but of all of them, it's sort of like wild thing is sort of the band, the, the, you want to be working with them if you do prog in Australia, basically. So, um, Bailey was really cool because he was like, he, he's one of our managers as well. And so, um, one of the reasons we trust him is because he, from the get go, really obviously wanted what was best for us, not necessarily just what was best for his company or his label. Um, and so the experience of working with both, um, Octane and Wild Thing has been really lovely because both of the guys that own the, you know, Ellie from Wild Thing and, and Bailey from Octane, they both understand the genre and they both understand that their place really isn't to get in the way of the creative process or anything like that they sort of trust their bands to come out with great music um and so yeah we just we felt very supported and it's it's really cool because like when you're used to doing everything yourself you know and having to make sure that all the business stuff gets done and then you get signed and now we've got like a whole PR team. We've got a management team and the labels and stuff and there's emails flying around the place and you're just like, Oh yeah, cool. Sweet. <laughs> like it, it's a really different experience, but it's, it's very cool. And we're really grateful to have like le- legitimately everyone that works with us really gives a shit and acts like it. So that's, it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Awesome. So now that you're signed, will you be allowed to play the second heat in Melbourne when it, when it comes <laughs> Unfortunately not, man. No, that's that's the end of the uh, of the the whacking thing for us. But oh. hey, you know, we um, we we won the first heat, and that was good enough for us. So we're we're happy to make it to whacking on our own someday. That's the plan, anyway. All right. <laughs> Big girls here. Um, yeah. Man. I know these the these times in these times it's a it's a. It's a weird and strange thing to ask, and and uh, nobody can give a, a, a good answer about that. But yeah, uh, how, how about your life plans for bringing Kaleidoscope on the stage? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a really, it's a difficult topic, as you say, man. Like, we, we have booked and cancelled three Australian tours and a Japan tour. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, it really sucks. Um, so we're in this position right now where, look, just like every other band that you're gonna ask this question to, it's really unsure. We're really unsure what's gonna happen, but like at the very least, we're gonna try and get an Australian tour done this year. Um, and then, uh, like literally as soon as the Japan borders open up and tourism's welcomed again, we're gonna be playing Japan. Um, and uh yeah so it's like we've got we've got some pretty cool shows coming up i I hate being this guy but nothing we can announce just yet but like we've got (laughs) we've got some some really cool stuff in the works that we're really excited about we're playing with some bands that we really like um that you guys will know but uh until that stuff's announced we just have to say shows are happening (laughs) album launch is happening tour is happening um uh, and hopefully this year but it's um i we're basically all at the point where most people we know in bands and like most labels and stuff have more or less accepted that everything of value that's going to happen will be happening next year onwards. You know, like yeah. I think everyone was like, nah, 2021 is going to be the year, but nah, it's, <laughs> it's, it hasn't worked out that way. So yeah. 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 I mean, but Proc Power Europe also already announced like, uh, I think one or two weeks ago that they uh, postponed it again to 2022 already they're um they also they are always uh take place on the first weekend of october mm. um so yeah let, let let's uh, uh talk a bit about the australian scene what what i mean wh- what what happened there <laughs> like like you said yeah. uh, like five five six uh years ago or something when like suddenly there were so many bands coming out of Australia. It's it, it, it's very very interesting to see as a, a, a observant um, uh, that there's like for certain periods of time there's um, there's a certain country that would uh, be like a hotbed of uh, of a certain genre. Like after Riverside uh, came out of Poland, there was a a whole flood of Polish prog bands and uh and mm-hmm. and Greece recently as well and and Australia as well so 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 yeah what yeah, what yeah. what what happened with the scene there and and I'm I'm also very curious about um how how does it feel in the country like like the scene if you have to to fly to the next city you know if, if you have to take a plane to the next city and you, you know here in germany you 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 drive two hours and you, you're in the next big city um so yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's very different like yeah look the the there's a couple of pretty big bands that i think anyone that's doing all right in the scene here kind of owes their uh their allegiance to and that's obviously carnival right they they tread the path so many years before anyone else um and like just amazing musicians like obviously undeniable like carnival are one of the 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 hard hitters there and um also they sort of uh yeah (laughs) yeah love carnival man (laughs) they and they they came out of perth right because like perth is the this it's a city but it's like way out like near (laughs) no one right it's really isolated and there's been some amazing bands that come out of there but um uh, another big one was 12 foot ninja um Right. They're really, really cool guys, and um, 
very, very influential. Like they had their sort of their their big surge around the same time that the whole periphery Tesseract thing was happening as well. Like 2012, 2013 onwards, um, you know, with songs like Mother Sky and um, Coming For You and all that kind of stuff. And I think like I really feel like the scene owes a lot to them as well, because what they did was like they released film clips that was so entertaining that <laughs> yeah. like everyone wanted to watch. They're just fucking hilarious. Like they're the funniest dudes. And um, because the film clips were so entertaining, they got tons of views and that sort of greased the way for people from other countries to start going like, Oh, this is an Australian band. Like what, what else is going on there? Um, and yeah, just like uh, there's been like, the thing is, metal is going to be everywhere right like uh, that's one of the great things about the genre is it's like doesn't matter what country you go to there's going to be a metal scene somewhere um you know just quietly bubbling away underneath the surface and i feel like um they're like the the age of the internet and that sort of burgeoning scene here sort of bubbled over if you will as you say about you know six seven years ago and you know caligula's horse came out around the same time um they, they released Moments, uh, their first album in 2011, and then I think 2013 was their next and that sort of stuff. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, so I was listening to a YouTube video with Rick Beato the other day. I don't know if you like his, his YouTube channel. He's uh, so-so. <laughs> anyway, he, um, he was talking about uh, this band that he jokingly called like a 24-year overnight success, right? So it's like these... It, these bands that seem to come out of nowhere it's like if you actually look into their history there's just like this long period where they just work their asses off for nothing yeah. and then yeah. all of a sudden something happened and that's sort of how i feel a little bit about the australian scene like there's been like tons of people learning and growing and writing songs and everything sort of um you know underground for a while and now that bands in the states and in europe and stuff that made progressive music popular again it's sort of like suddenly all these bands had the the um the environment they needed to really succeed like they had the yeah the, the state of the world that allowed them. yeah i mean uh uh caligula's horse had their big break with their inside out uh uh music label debut i would say bloom i think that was it mm. maybe they were already with one one with them one with one album previous of that but bloom was kind of their big their first big success and it was their what, fourth album uh, third Th third uh yeah, yeah, yeah. voyager have been around for for even longer and and then they when they when they were signing with season of mist and 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 put out ghost mile um and that was also w way into their career uh when, when they suddenly kind of took off um so uh yeah definitely uh see what you said uh at the beginning um that you it used to be that like you have to have a couple of records before you got recognized outside of australia Uh, mm. but but i also see that it's changing for example uh last year um i had the pleasure to interview tobias atkins the, the the incredible singer from now now i dropped the name <laughs> uh the, the the name dropped out of my head um sorry man can't save you here on this one <laughs> <laughs> um god damn it uh 
the album is called The Remnants of Losing Yourself in Someone Else. Glass Ocean. That was a pretty uh, amazing uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, debut album with also a, a very, very uh, unique uh, kind of style. Uh, we 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 dubbed it uh, R and B prog, <laughs> and at, when, I, when, when, I, when I first heard it, I was like, I'm not sure if I really like this. But after a couple of spins, I was like, this the the, the melodies are are, are are and it's just so damn sexy and it's such so irresistible yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good man and you know that's something i really respect like being able to really confidently bring like pop sensibilities into metal i think is something that's not only getting more like uh acceptable but i think it actually takes a lot of skill you know what i mean being able yeah. to write music that's metal and that's authentic and genuine everything but still borrows a lot from pop sensibilities i think it's a it's a difficult line to walk and those that do it well like glass ocean it's just like they really deserve a lot of praise for that absolutely and and it's also great to see more and more um people in the metal scene accepting that and and uh yeah just being more open-minded than they maybe used to be with their like you know metal Uh, mindset mm. <laughs> absolutely so we're yeah that's it because you know like i think a lot of the the sorry i think a lot of the like old guard as it were is starting to get a bit too aged and a bit too like eh, non-caring and so you've got this whole new generation of people that are coming up that have so many different influences that kind of want to go well shit let's like let's move this forward and that's that's what i that's what i think my favorite thing about prog is i mean pro, yeah obviously short for progressive it wants to progress it wants to move somewhere it wants to do something new um and i think that's sort of like this whole spirit of prog is what it's about is it's like what can we do to make this new but still make it authentic and moving and so i think i think that's my favorite thing about prog in general yeah absolutely i i can only agree uh to that now we are already mm. talking about uh some other bands and uh, our last question is traditionally What's in your Walkman? So, what have you been listening to lately? Have you? Uh, is there anything you would like to recommend or give a shout out to? Yeah, absolutely, man. Let me. Um, I'll tell you what. Let me quickly have a look at my iTunes here, um, because there's always so much. <laughs> like, there's so much music that I, I listen to. Um, I tell you what. What's been? What has absolutely like? knocked me on my ass like i can't even put into words last year and like this is going to sound really melodramatic but it's genuinely how i feel uh, there's a band called the deer hunter i don't know if you've heard of them yes um there's a yeah prog rock band they saved me last year like last year was such an incredibly dark time in my life just because of how stressed i was and the breakup and creating the album with like no money and no time and all this sort of stuff and it's like I feel like I would have been in a much worse place if I wasn't listening to the deer hunter. So for the love of God, if you like progressive music, go out and start with the album called act four by the deer hunter. It will, it will mess your life up in the best possible way. <laughs> um, so <laughs> there's that, um, collect, yeah, collectively, um, uh, what else we got going on? Um, I know that, in our band um a couple of us are really big fans of a uh they're they're not a they're not a metal or even a rock band but they're called uh fleet boxes 
Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. No. Um, they are a uh, they're they're quite a famous sort of folk folk rock band. Um, cool. And they do some of the most beautiful and uh, just um, there, there's something so honest and so genuine, but also just so incredibly unique about their sound. I'd really recommend anyone go and start with a song called uh, "The Shrine Slash An Argument." So listen to that; it's amazing. Um, uh, and outside of that, uh, we are all very much listening to a band called The Midnight, who oh, are a, yeah. um, <laughs> a synthwave band. Yes. So um, we're like, if you if you go and listen to The Midnight and you listen to our latest album you will hear the influence. It's there. (laughs) We wear it on our sleeve, you know. We freaking love that band. Um, But obviously, you know, uh, we're also always listening to bands like Voyager. We fucking love those guys. The guys in Caligula's Horse, we love those guys. Like, we're friends with them all. Like, you know, it's it's, it's a really cool scene. Um, And, uh, yeah. I mean, I can probably listen to bands all day, you know what I mean? But they're sort of really big ones for us at the moment. So Cool. I, I also got uh, some some entries into the What's in Your Walkman section today. Um, starting, you, you, you just said something beautiful earlier that now with the internet and stuff, you will go can go anywhere and, and you will find a metal scene or something. And so um, last Friday when also Kaleidoscope dropped... Um, there was a debut album from a project out of Siberia, of all places, called Pleximants. And uh, the guitarist Evgen Sibulin uh, uh, put this together. Amazing guitarist, amazing composer. There's like, uh, the, the album's called The Maze Within. There's like three instrumental tracks at the beginning, three uh, instrumental tracks at the um, at the end of the album, and in the middle there's like a 13 minute epic with uh, vocals also clean and growling. He does the growling, and he has got a guest okay. clean clean vocalist. Um, I have to say the the instrumental parts are like uh, I I love them so much because it's it it, it it's got a lot of classical influence. He also plays classical guitar. Um, but also he's got the fusion sensibility and, and the jazz influences, but it's still prog metal. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, it, it's, it's just a lot of fun, and, and it's an amazing uh, uh, piece uh, that he put together there. So shout out to Evgen and his amazing project, Pleximans. Um, right an- another very interesting um, release that I'm looking forward to that's about to come out is the new album from Acolyte from from Australia. Um, yeah, yeah. And and it, yeah, the, cool. the, the 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 singles that they released um, were quite quite different to each other. Um, like the the first uh, the first so- single was was like a 12 minute epic and it. It's got some really uh, cool analog prog rock synth going uh, going on, and um, the second single was very very different. It was also quite longer, but it had a, a different feel. So I'm really curious about the whole album. And I actually looking at my phone. I just just in this minute, of course, my phone is listening in. I got from YouTube. I got the. Uh, uh, reminder that they will release their third single "Resentment" next week on, like, yeah. uh, 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 April sixteenth. Um, yeah. That's that's gonna be very interesting. What their whole album will sound like because the singles have been so different. Um, yeah, man. Really, really looking, looking forward, forward to that. To that. Their, um, 
they're uh, they're on the same label as us. So I'm like super proud of those guys and what they're doing as well. Like it's it's like anytime a band of that quality is like coming out of Australia, I'm like, yes, you're no one. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very, very proud of everything they're doing. And they're really lovely people as well. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I hope I will be able to to get them on the show as well. Uh, thank you so much, Kalen, for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, all the best with uh, Kaleidoscope and, and really uh, hope you guys will be able to bring it to the stage at one point, whenever that will be. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you having us on. It's, uh, it's awesome to talk to you. And like, just anytime I get to talk to someone that's obviously a fan of music and a fan of prog, that's that's a good time. So, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Same here. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, All right, dude. Well, you have a really lovely... Uh, you have a great evening. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, thank you guys out there for listening. Uh, as always, uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones and... Keep listening to great music. Progcast is a Stuist Media podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Progcast Podcast. To learn more about Stuist Media, check out stuistmedia.com. Progcast is hosted and produced by Dario Albrecht and myself, Randy M. Salo, and is co-produced by Janine Stengel-Lewis and Blake Lewis. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. New episodes of Progcast drop every Monday and Thursday, and don't miss our Friday Top 5 episode where we discuss our favorite albums that drop that week. See you next time, Prog fam. <laughs> <laughs>